Welcome to Respect Life Radio. My name is Deacon Jeff Bennett with Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of Denver. And remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com. From now until November 3rd, we are going to have an opportunity to find out how many people support the end of late-term abortion in Colorado. Many of our shows will be geared toward those constituencies that you might not think agree with us when it comes to defending life. We will have shows from feminists for life, from secularists from life. We'll have shows talking about people who have had difficult pregnancies or came into this world in some of the most difficult situations. We have uh, a woman, Rebecca Kiesling, who was conceived at a rape. And because of abortion laws in Michigan, when her mom was pregnant, uh, was able to come into this world, is now an attorney and a, and a great advocate for defense of life. It's important that we, as people, come to understand that life is foundational, right? I mean, in the end, this topic, this moral foundational issue is preeminent. Because if we don't have life and we don't defend life, pretty much any other argument we have in life sounds hollow. It really isn't based on us truly appreciating the gift that we've been given at our conception. We have an issue committee that's been started up. It's called Help Mom Save Baby uh, to help provide resources and stories and help people understand how precious life is. Now, of course, you know, we don't want abortion under any circumstances, but we feel here in Colorado now the time is right to end late-term abortion from 22 weeks and beyond. Because let's be honest, a baby born at 22 weeks, I just saw a stat the other day, that 64% of those children born that early in pregnancy are now surviving. And we need to make sure that people in Colorado understand that because these children are being killed each and every day in the state of Colorado. As a matter of fact, people come from other states. This is a destination place where people come where people come to kill their babies. I mean, people think, well, let's come here to go skiing or let's come here to see the beauty of the mountains, which is all true. But to think that we're going to put that together with people come here to kill their children. The thing we need to remember is that every woman who's pregnant is a mom. And we can't separate moms. Sometimes we hear the other side, those that support abortion and the big abortion industry, you know, the woman, the woman, the woman. Let's remember, this is a mom. This is a mom who's been given the gift of life. And moms love their children. Moms want to give their children the opportunity to come into this world. They want to receive the first hug, the first kiss, the first time you send them off to kindergarten, whatever it is, there's so many great events that have been lost by the millions and millions of children that have been aborted in the United States, just since Roe versus Wade. And that doesn't even count what's happened before then. So we're going to have a lot of these shows that are geared towards talking about difficult topics, difficult pregnancies, fetal anomalies, uh, again, children conceived out of rape, all these, you know, really unnerving situations because we have this sense of false compassion. 
We don't view life as a gift. We don't see that the Lord can make good out of the greatest evil. You know, a child conceived out of rape, I can't imagine how horrific that would be. But that's a child. The child had nothing to do with it. And so we need to make sure that that our motives, our love for life is directed in the right place. And once these children come into the world, they're going to be loved. You know, Catholic Charities has many ministries to help work with children and help them and help mom so that it isn't just, hey, just have the baby and you go on your way and good luck. It's we will walk with you until you don't need us to walk with you anymore. And so we need to make sure that we understand defending life is foundational. And some people say, well, you can't vote on a one-issue election. Well, look, no matter who somebody votes for, for governor, for president, they can all vote to end late-term abortion in Colorado. Because that's the gift that we can give to these children who, as we speak, are inside their mother's womb which should be the safest place in the world. And unfortunately, we here in the United States and throughout the world have made that the most dangerous place in the world for a child. And, you know, there's polls out there that can tell you anything you want to know. Now, Gallup has been taking polls for, you know, decades, and it consistently shows that a majority of the people, up to 70% at times, Uh, think there should be some restrictions on abortion. But polls can be used to give us a reason not to do something. Look, the way questions are worded dictate how people are going to answer. And so if we want to have an excuse why not to support late-term abortion and the end of late-term abortion in Colorado, then we'll find it. We We can... pay for polls all day long that tell that ask questions in a leading way so that you can say, well, this has no chance of passing, so I don't want to support it. Look, the evil one can tweak a couple words and turn everybody off when in the end, each and every one of us is called to defend life. Not only our own life, if it's threatened, but the most innocent of our society even a child with a fetal anomaly who may, who may only live a few minutes after birth, we hear story after story of parents who appreciated that time that they could hug their child, that they could hold their child, even if it was for a fleeting minute or two. That's hard. But it would be harder to think that I went to an abortionist and had that child destroyed within my womb. And I'm not going to get into the graphic details of of what late-term abortion does, but I think, you know, look, we can look online and see those things. It's horrific. Why would we do that to anybody, let alone the most innocent who are 100% dependent upon mom and dad and doctor? So we as parents, we as citizens, we as children of God, need to make sure that we defend life. And so on November 3rd, we're going to have an opportunity to vote to end late-term abortion in Colorado. Like I said, you're going to see polls that say this can't win. 
well, look, if the Lord wants this to happen, it will. And the only reason it won't happen is if we decide that it can't pass and we're not going to waste our time. But if we not only agree that the end of late-term abortion is the right thing to do, but then we tell other people who tell other people, we go on helpmomandsavebaby.com so that we can share resources, we can share stories, you can listen to several of these podcasts when they get posted uh, to find out why to feminists for life, why are they so vehement to end late-term abortion? Why do they understand that life is precious? Secularists for life, right? even without a faith foundation, they understand that life is precious. You know, we have our Celebrate Life March the second Saturday of every January, and we have people like Atheist for Life coming out. And so there is a broad range of support We are working with many faith communities and communities of no faith to help get this passed in November. But we need your help. It's not going to pass if everybody is passive, right? We need to get engaged in this. We need to participate in this. We need to share stories. What we need to do is have a thorough understanding that the life issue is foundational, Because we're not going to be able to talk about minimum wage or immigration or all those things if we think killing children is okay. We have lost all credibility. And so, as we again, as we approach November 3rd, let us find ways to share the stories, to share the facts that life is threatened here in the United States and each and every person in Colorado has an opportunity in just a few weeks to be able to end this barbaric practice where a child that if born at 22 weeks and beyond would have a very good chance of surviving, a child in the womb who's attacked by the abortion we know has very little, if any, chance of surviving. And let's not be mistaken, right? This is a huge profit center, right? The later the child is aborted, the more the abortion industry makes. So let us pray. Let us participate. Let us end late-term abortion in Colorado on November 3rd. Today, our very special guest is Kelsey Hazard. She is founder and president of Secular Pro-Life. She's an attorney Uh, She's been featured in many pro-life articles and magazines and pro-life documentary. Uh, Kelsey has also made appearances in mainstream news sources like NPR, BuzzFeed, and Slate. And you're also a member of the Equal Rights Institute Board of Advisors. Is that correct? Yes, sir. All right. Well, Kelsey, thank you for joining us. You're joining us from Florida, and uh, I'm hoping it's not too hot there. (laughs) <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, it is burning up here, but uh, I'm sure we'll get some rain soon. Well, I spent 18 years in Houston, so I can relate to uh, hot and humid. Uh, but thanks for joining us today. And, you know, one of the things I want to talk about, first of all, I'll let you explain a little bit about secular pro- pro-life. Uh, I think it speaks for itself, but maybe you can talk a little bit about founding it in 2009, what you guys stand for, and kind of how it's grown to where it is today. 
Absolutely. Secular pro-life, as you said, is somewhat self-explanatory, but we exist because abortion is a human rights violation. It is not a mere theological debate. And the abortion lobby for a very long time has tried to silo abortion by characterizing it as just a religious issue, just a theological difference of opinion, when what we're really talking about is violence, lethal violence against a flesh and blood human being. And you don't have to be religious to recognize that. We, you know, when you look at some of the national polling that's been done by Pew and Gallup and those, those sort of nationally recognized survey groups, you see that about a quarter of non-religious Americans take pro-life positions. Now, obviously, we have a long way to go. You know, a quarter is not good, but it's certainly more uh, than what the mainstream media and abortion lobby groups would lead you to believe. In absolute numerical terms, it's over 12 million people. Secular pro-lifers, non-religious pro-lifers in the United States are the population of Illinois, essentially. Uh, so we have to get, get out there and make our voices heard on this truly vital issue. So how, how has it grown? So in 2009, you started this group uh, to really raise yeah, awareness, and, right? Yeah, and it's, it started very small. You know, I was barely out of college at the time. I was quite young, and I my experience had been informed by being part of the pro-life student group at my university, the University of Miami, Cocaine. And we took a secular approach in, in that student group, and we uh, had a hard time. This was over a decade ago, but we had a hard time getting good pro-life literature because you would find, you know, a brochure about prenatal development and would have all these you know, wonderful facts and milestones and pictures, and then they would throw in, the Bible verse about being knit together in your mother's womb, and mm-hmm. we'd say, oh, no, we can't use this now. Right. Uh, so we wound up developing some of our own pamphlets and stuff, and I thought, oh, wouldn't it be nice if we just put some of this online for other people to download and you know, and use and tweak? You know, we already put in the work in, so, so why not? And it was really a build-it-and-they-will-come kind of thing. I and mean, people found it so refreshing after decades of having it drilled into them that this is just a religion thing to finally see a group coming together and explicitly saying no it's not let's let's leave all our religious differences aside i don't care if you're an agnostic or a zoroastrian a to z come on in let's do this let's let's start saving some babies together and we now have over thirty thousand people on facebook well, I mean, and I saw it's not only just the United States thing, it's a national thing. So you have, you know, the following really around the world, right? Yeah, I mean, we've gotten a lot of interest from, from outside the U.S. We often have people um, uh, will write guest pieces for our blog talking about the situation in their country and just trying to learn from one another internationally. Well, and I think, it, you know, I think, you know, it's your point is well taken. Look, you know, I, I come from it from a faith background, but also, you know, you have to use logic and science, and you're not going to win arguments when you just say this is because what the Bible says, right? We need to be able to know the science. We need to be able to understand the logic to have a conversation. And I, my guess is that people that find you maybe even think, man, I didn't even know you guys existed. I thought I was the only one who thought this way, even without the faith component. <laughs> 
We got, especially early on, we got so many emails from people saying, thank you for existing. I thought I was the only pro-life atheist out there. We've gotten fewer of those emails in recent years, which I think is a sign of progress, that people are, it, it is more commonly accepted and more widely known that this is a thing. So is it easier to have that conversation with somebody who's atheist or agnostic, wherever they're coming from, uh, because you're just going with the logic and science? Or do you find that people, even with those type of backgrounds, just, you know what, are, they're either totally for abortion or they're against it? Is it easy? Do you have a, a difficult time trying to uh, have those conversations and have people come over to understand how important life is? It totally depends on the person. Uh, certainly we have an advantage in that there's, there is a fairly wide swath of people who will just tune tune out the religion entirely. Mm-hmm. So we're, we at least have a better chance of having a conversation with the, those people in the first place. But I think one thing that's really important for people to remember is if somebody says that they're pro-choice, that really does not give you a whole lot of information. Right. Uh, the pro-choice movement is extremely broad, has a lot of fractures that they've managed to to paper over for a long time. Um, One person might say, um, it's just a clump of cells, it's not really alive, just have ignorance of basic biological facts. Another might totally recognize the humanity of the unborn child, think that abortion is, is sad and unfortunate, but gosh, we really can't achieve gender equality without it. Uh, which is a rather sexist idea, but <laughs> the conversations that you're going to have with person A are very different from the conversations you're going to have with person B. Yeah, and I think the other thing, you know, we were talking before we came on air, I mean, you came from a Methodist background. Uh, just because somebody comes from a position of faith, a lot of faith communities support abortion. So it's not like that's that's a given, like, oh, I have a faith background and therefore I'm pro-life. Uh, we see, you know, pro-death, pro-abortion people with all kinds of backgrounds, right? It's not limited to people who not without faith. There's many with faith that unfortunately support the killing of children in their mother's wombs. Oh, for sure. And, we, you know, we certainly encourage people to be working within their own faith communities. Uh, we, we definitely need the pro-life Christians to be working within their own denominations to get people in line, uh, uh, but we, we have just a different approach to it. Uh, we've, we've found that the secular approach can attract people from a wide array of backgrounds. You know, when we talk about uh, being a secular organization, we, the, the leadership of secular pro-life is all atheists and agnostics, but the general membership uh, come is extremely diverse. We have uh, atheists and agnostics, we have Catholics, we have Protestants, we have Buddhists, Muslims, Mormons, a lot of the minority religions who, uh, you know, they don't really feel like they fit in under the religious right umbrella, mm-hmm. wind up coming to us. Well, and I think, you know, the value of your organization, among other things, is really to be able to equip people to have those kind of conversations using logic, using science, using medicine uh, to really prove, uh, one, that, you know, this is a child, but also to use reasoning because in the end we've almost we've almost moved away from, you know, is this a child to, or not to 
really conversations of infanticide in terms of what we want to do after this child's born. I mean, it's it's almost it's ridiculous scary. that we've gotten to this point. Yeah, no, it's 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 very scary. And I think that's a great segue to talk about the initiative that's happening in Colorado on late term abortion. I mean, the, the fact that Colorado still allows abortion in the third trimester, uh, that is that is horrifying. And and, and just so extreme. I mean, even Roe versus Wade says, okay, yeah, third trimester, the states can do something about that. But Colorado hasn't. The abortion industry in Colorado can just operate essentially with impunity. And, you know, certainly a ban on third trimester abortions is, is modest. But that first step is so needed just, well, just to make a statement. Yeah, well, and, and considering it's been going on here since 1967, really without any restrictions, way before Roe versus Wade, uh, it is, right? I mean, so, I mean, you know, people who are listening, you know, a lot of them have a faith background, but, you know, this will be shared amongst a lot of people, and people need to understand that you know what, it's hard to have a civilized society when we can't even agree on a culture of life. I mean, that should be foundational before you have any other conversations, don't you think? Absolutely. I mean, the, the, the right to life is necessary to exercise any other right. Yeah, and I think, you know, the other thing that I, you know, looking on your website, and I actually was not aware of the Equal Rights Institute, uh, but that has a broad, oh, yeah, I mean, that has a broad range. And, you know, our listeners may know Trent Horn or David B. Wright or Sean Carney. I mean, you have, a, you know, kind of a who's who in the in the life world on that thing. So you guys must have some really good conversations and, and really be able to work together to help formulate good arguments to defend life. For sure. So for those listeners who don't know the Equal Rights Institute, you should definitely Google them, check them out. They are all about equipping you to have effective conversations, effective dialogue with people who disagree with you on abortion and to avoid the common traps that derail those types of conversations. So, you know, we hear Planned Parenthood and we know they're going to have various arguments here in Colorado, you know, but really being pro-life is being pro-woman before it's being pro-child, right? You're really for the woman because... Having a baby is natural. It's not a disease. I think the idea that women need abortion to succeed is extremely troubling. Yeah, you know, as a woman myself, I find it deeply offensive. I, you know, I have worked hard to achieve the successes that I have achieved, and it's that that's denigrated when somebody says career women need abortion. That that is what really disturbs me more more than any idea of what's natural versus unnatural. I, I consider that to be a bit of a tangent. But the, the idea that the Supreme Court of the United States of America has put its stamp on this idea that I need the ability to kill a person to get ahead. That's so twisted. It almost makes it sound like, well, you can't do both. So, exactly. so we're, exactly so you're, you're inferior. You can't do two things. You can't walk and chew gum at the same time. So we're going to take <laughs> away the gum so that you're able to, to, to function and be successful, which is, which is asinine in the, in the end. I couldn't have said it better myself. When you think about it from any angle, it just doesn't seem to make sense that we're empowering people to kill another human being to move ahead in a, in a, 
manner that really all it is is this kind of imaginary status. They call it the reliance interest. That's the legal term, that women rely on abortion. I certainly don't. I have, the, the vast majority of women do not. Uh, it, it is deeply offensive. Well, and I, you know, it's great to get that perspective because, you know, a guy can say that and they'll be like, yeah, yeah, you're a guy. Not like we can't have an opinion, <laughs> but, you know, it's almost, hey, when we want your opinion, we'll give it to you. Uh, but to hear, uh, you know, women from various backgrounds talk about how, you know what, it really is degrading to say that we have to do this or you have to be able to kill to to advance. It doesn't. Again, like we said before, it doesn't make sense. And, and your organization really does help to dispel that myth and really talk about this in a in such a logical way that it makes it hard to have an argument against it. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> that, that's what we're here for. Well, and I appreciate it. And so, you know, if we have, you know, listeners today who are kind of on the fence and they're like, you know, well, I, I really want to look out for women, you know, my faith, you know, I either don't have it or it's not very strong. What would you say to them to support the end of late-term abortion in Colorado? Particularly for late-term abortion, I would encourage them to know who it is that we are talking about, to see who is a baby at 22, 24, 26 weeks. There's a wonderful website uh, EHD.org, that stands for the Endowment for Human Development. They have a fantastic array of resources. They'll show you all about prenatal development from conception to birth, everything that is going on in the womb. And you can see photographs, you can see illustrations, you can read scientific materials. Uh, not, nothing gory, no photos of abortion victims on that particular website. But you can see for yourself that... This is a baby. And, and we're talking about babies who potentially could survive outside the womb. If they were to be born prematurely, if they were to be given the chance at that very age, rather than being killed in the womb. When you talk about these late-term abortion procedures, what they essentially are doing is making sure the baby dies, killing the baby, and then delivering the baby. It is very much skirting the line of infanticide. Yep. How can people follow what you're doing, Kelsey? You can go to our website, which is secularprolife.org. You can also find us on social media. We're on uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Secular Pro Life. Very easy to find. Uh, I would also encourage listeners, there's a conference coming up that we're going to be participating in. It's called the Rehumanize Conference. And normally this conference is held in person, but... In light of the pandemic, it is being held virtually this year, so anyone can participate. If you just Google Rehumanized Conference, uh, and that is a conference that deals uh, not only with abortion, but with a wide array of threats to human life at every age. 